There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. And with that, welcome in to NFL Friday, WFUV Sports' exclusive NFL podcast. We're nearing the end of the road in the NFL season. It's Kind of sad when you think about it, but you have to put that aside and realize we're getting some pretty good football right now. Conference championship weekend is on Sunday, so that will be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm Brian Raybax. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Sebastian Seabach and Owen Kelty. Guys, we're just really at, I'd say, the pinnacle of the NFL season where you're just getting... Great teams going at it, a lot of great playoff football, and a lot of other storylines and news items going on as well. I'm excited to get into it, but what's up? How are we doing? It's been a super exciting week of football, so, you know, that's always raises, gives you a better week, especially with school going on. So, you know, with all this new news coming out, you got teams that are eliminated making some noise in, in the media, and then all these other teams, a lot of head coaching hires this week. Big news that Bill Belichick might not be coaching in the NFL anymore. Yeah, isn't that crazy that he doesn't have a job? Something you never thought you'd hear after the career he's had. And then at the end of the week, you get the conference championship games with some of the with the last four remaining teams and really good matchups this weekend. So I'm super excited for it. I'm, I'm definitely very excited, too. Obviously, we've seen some big coaching hires uh, early on in the week. Harbaugh going to the Chargers, the Falcons and Panthers already filling their vacant coaching spots. And then, uh, But what I'm most excited for are those NFC Championship games. The Lions have the opportunity to make the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, th- there is a good chance they may go back as well. So that's that's definitely the thing I'm most looking forward to this weekend. Well, you mentioned head coaching hires, and there's been a handful. Most head coaching vacancies have been filled up to this point. But the biggest one I'd say, and it's what we'll start off with, is Jim Harbaugh has made his decision, and he is back in the NFL as head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He was hired as their new coach, and... Obviously, Harbaugh, many know his resume. Nine years as at the collegiate level, and that preceded a couple of years as head coach of the San Francisco 49ers from 2011 to 2014. So Jim Harbaugh brings plenty of experience and is going to be a big draw when it comes to these Los Angeles Chargers who had a disappointing year in 2023. They ended up firing their head coach, and I think... Without a question, guys, when you look at Jim Harbaugh and his resume, as a head coaching hire, he is levels above Brandon Staley and is going to be a drastic improvement and help this Chargers team out a lot. Well, I think, you know, if you look at it right now, is that 
as I said on the last podcast, he's a proven winner. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, when he first came to the Niners early on, Niners were a losing team before he stepped in, and then they went to the NFC Championship multiple times and eventually a Super Bowl where they lost with Colin Kaepernick as quarterback. And then he kind of went back to Michigan, and they they struggled at first, but then they they went to the championship this year and won. So I think, you know, his his proven winning track record uh, will definitely help this Chargers team out in terms of motivation, ability to get into the playoffs, uh, and especially with the talent that they have because they do have Justin Herbert at quarterback who is a franchise quarterback and a really good quarterback. And I feel like since he started having those rumors that he might go back to the NFL, this Chargers matchup was like a match made in heaven. You look at a team that has these last few years been underachieving, having that historic blown game against the Jaguars two years ago. It's always been like the what-if situations with Justin Herbert. What if you gave him better weapons? What if you gave him a better coach? And now he's going to have those weapons and he's going to have that better coach especially after this year with how bad the Chargers were. Going to this, this year, they were supposed to be that, that sleeper team to make a run in the playoffs with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and how much money they've spent on that team, on that defensive side of the ball too. So I think him coming there, not only does it like help Justin Herbert, but it helps the team in general that's been all on both sides of the ball underperforming because Brandon Staley, whatever he was doing there, was clearly not working, especially when it came to team chemistry. It felt like the team kind of just fell apart. Yeah, he just... Just a disastrous tenure, I would say. I mean, the Chargers had success with Brandon Staley as head coach, too. They had a winning season. They made the playoffs. But this year, it was just too much of a disaster to keep him around. So they bring in Harbaugh. And we've touched on Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be just such a huge beneficiary, beneficiary of this. I mean, Harbaugh, a former quarterback himself, brings a lot of winning, a winning pedigree into the Los Angeles Chargers locker room. And, I mean, when you look at someone like Herbert, not that he really needs it because he's so talented already, but this could be a move that ends up taking him to the next level where he has the proper coaching and has a guy who's been there before, has played in the NFL, and is groomed quarterbacks. We saw J.J. McCarthy and how successful he was in his last year at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. There's just so much to take from this but I think Justin Herbert when you look at him this could be huge for his development and maybe just maybe he can further cement himself as one of the top quarterbacks in this league now that he has presumably one of the top coaches there to guide him well I think you know if you look at it this Chargers team is is what or was I would say was very talented because obviously you know other than Keenan Allen a lot of players had really disappointing years this year I mean uh, Austin Eckler didn't have a great year. Mike Williams hurt during the season. Their number, their their first round draft choice wide receiver Quentin Johnson, he was a disaster. So I think you know with Harbaugh on the picture, it'll definitely motivate these guys to step up. But at the same time, it's got to be on players and players other than Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert will have to step up. And if you look at the the quarterbacks that Harbaugh has worked with in the past, I mean, he took Colin Kaepernick to a Super Bowl. Colin Kaepernick was a good quarterback at the time, but he wasn't uh, a superstar quarterback by any by any measure. And then yeah, and just look at what it became post-Harbaugh, yeah. yeah. And then J.J. McCarthy, who is on draft for some people first-round pick, but personally I don't think he's as good as maybe as talented as that Michigan roster was. But Jim Harbaugh made that team win. And if you look at these coaches in the AFC West now, you got Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Jim Harbaugh, and Antonio Pierce, who's not – 
who hasn't really proven himself yet, but he's shown that he's going to be potentially a really good coach in the NFL. That that AFC West, after the last few years of being hyped up as one of the best divisions, then always being disappointing with the Chiefs winning every year, I think next year it's going to start getting better and better. The Harbaugh hiring just cements another head coach vacancy being filled, and there's so many that have been filled already. You look at the Falcons hiring a head coach yesterday, same with the Carolina Panthers. Slowly but surely, it's all coming together. But I don't think there are as many that are as a slam-dunk hire as Jim Harbaugh, where this is immediately going to put a lot more focus on the Los Angeles Chargers and Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you know what he's done in the past. He's had a lot of success, not only at the college level, but the NFL level as well. So he just brings a winning pedigree, and it's really hard to envision a scenario where this ends up not working out for the Chargers. They've had too many swing and the miss hires in the last couple of years, so you feel it. they had to go for the big ones. So when you look at the last couple of coaches they've had, and obviously with the way Brandon Staley's tenure ended, this has to be a relief for Chargers fans where you have a head coach that has had success at every single level that he's been at, and now can really help out this team. I don't know if they're going to be able to really compete with the Chiefs in the AFC West. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes really kind of has a stranglehold on that division for the last six years. But the Chargers, I mean, they're obviously the 5-12 and record they had this year was not really indicative of the team that they were. And they were held down by coaching and Justin Herbert getting injured at the end of the year. So you look at Harbaugh, and there's no reason really to not be excited about the Chargers, especially if they make a couple of moves as the, as the offseason progresses and they draft well. And they have the fifth overall pick. They do have some high draft capital. So they're a really interesting team next year. They're going to draw a lot of headlines and draw a lot of interest as well. And there's still a lot of talent there too. Justin Herbert, obviously. Look at Keenan Allen. He had a great year up until his injury. Austin Eckler still... He kind of fell off this year and didn't have the year he wanted, and now there's some sort of disputes in his contract. But ultimately, the Chargers, they needed a culture change. As talented as they were, the culture they had established with Brandon Staley, it was not working. So kudos to them. They hire a coach that can instantly change the culture on a dime. So the Chargers hire Jim Harbaugh, and really the biggest question surrounding NFL head coaches now is where is, is Bill Belichick going to go anywhere? We touched on this a little bit in the introduction, but he's still not hired, and there's still only really one or two openings left. I know the commander's job is still up for the taking, but there's still not a lot of room for Bill to go at this point. So well, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I don't think he's he's going to go anywhere because I think you know his best landing spot was the Falcons because that's where he interviewed. He I don't think he's interviewed with any other teams yet besides the Falcons that are that still have vacant coaching spots uh, so and I think you know based on the way we see it now this day and age the average age for head coaches is definitely getting younger and younger other than Jim Harbaugh who's a proven winner all the head coaches that were just recently hired are first-time head coaches and Bill Belichick he is a proven winner but by the way the Patriots played this year and that culture that has been downgraded in that locker room I, I I don't see him getting hired this year and you see how the Patriots did when they kind of went from that Tom Brady era to a much younger team they didn't have really any success so I think for a lot of these other teams I mean even the Falcons are a super young roster you saw that he couldn't really have success with these 
younger guys. And the commanders are rumored to be all in on Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. And the only other job is the Seahawks, who have interviewed Dan Quinn multiple times and Mike Vrabel multiple times. And I don't think, like you said, Bill Belichick's interviewed anywhere except for the Falcons. So I think it's kind of interesting to see, like you said, a lot of these teams are going with these younger offensive-minded coaches. And I think that's just how the league is going. And Bill Belichick's an older defensive-minded coach. And really in today's NFL, a lot of the defensive-minded head coaches, besides really D'Amico Ryans, I feel like a lot of the younger ones haven't had much success. So it doesn't seem like Bill Belichick's going to be getting a head coaching job this this uh, offseason. And it's weird. You look at the two openings that were most prevalent for Bill Belichick to go. Everyone said Chargers or Falcons. Well, he's going to neither. They both filled their head, head coaching vacancies. So I don't know. Maybe... You'll have to take a D coordinator job with the Giants. That that's open. Who knows? And he coached there like years ago too. Won, so won a Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a reunion brewing, especially because I think Bill wants to keep coaching. Yeah, I, I there's I don't see him wanting to like step away because no. you talk about his age. There's no way if once he stops, I feel like that's gonna be it. He's gonna have to retire. Yeah, he's, he's not gonna take a year off and, and I, then come back. And I don't think he's a guy that wants to go out the way he did with their. They're mutually parting ways, but like getting fired. They didn't. They didn't want him back. No, he. he and that's as uh, the greatest coach of all time. That's not how you want to go out with getting fired. You want to make one last statement, I guess, in the NFL. Yeah, I think you know, Bill Belichick's ending to the Patriots was not a good one. If you know, they they at least had a winning record, won the last game, or made the playoffs, or something magical like that. Then I think he would he would have called it quits right there. But because it ended the way it did with Mac Jones being a terrible quarterback and the Patriots being one of the worst teams in the NFL, he, he's still going to want something to prove, that he still has the ability to coach in the NFL. And and by doing that, he's going to have to get some sort of coaching position other than as a head coach, as a defensive coordinator. Well, we talked about the Giants briefly, and we brought them up. So let's talk about them in full, because they made some headlines yesterday, really at the last minute. And there's more just like drama or unnecessary just stories going on now because Kayvon Thibodeau, their stud pass rusher, their defensive end, he went on Carmelo Anthony's podcast yesterday and essentially, I don't know what he's doing. I like Kayvon Thibodeau. He's a stud, but he's not the smartest guy, especially when it comes to how he conducts himself in the media. And this is it where he's going out publicly and saying that the Giants should have paid Saquon before Daniel Jones. He pretty much went out and said that. He said that Saquon in 2022 accounted for 30% of their explosive plays and was so important to that locker room. And obviously you have to get it that quarterbacks are held to a different standard than running backs. And But he still thinks Saquon should have been paid first. And I'm sure a lot of people think this way. And sure, a lot of people on the Giants might feel like this, but... You can't go out in public and say it because now there's articles in the New York Post saying that Kayvon said Saquon should have been paid first before Daniel Jones, and it's just so unnecessary. Like You have to be smarter about this. I don't like how Kayvon Thibodeau conducted himself here at all, and this is just such an unnecessary situation here for the Giants. I mean, but again, it's got to be a culture thing, right? Because this is, the first time, this is not the first time that a Giants player has publicly spoken about their frustration with certain things happening. Like Evan Neal earlier in the year, for example, publicly spoke about, oh, you know, how the fans were booing him during the game and then called them sheep. 
And Kayvon Thibodeau here basically refers it back directly to the team, which may be slightly even worse, saying that, yes, it is true that Saquon accounts for 30% of all offensive explosive snaps. But in this case, it kind of shows a bit of a disconnect between the team and Daniel Jones. And that's something that, you know, although it may happen in the locker room, that's something that players do not want to publicly release. It must be kept in private. And with a team that's in such a, a horrible spot right now, coming off the season they just had, the whole drama with Wink Martindale and his resignation, this is the last thing that the Giants need is their players. And I don't think he meant it in a way to take a shot at Daniel Jones, but in New York that's always how it's going to be taken. And that's just not what you need. And you brought up players. We had Xavier early in the season, Xavier McKinney's coming out and saying that he publicly disagreed with a play that Wink Martindale called, and Wink Martindale's taking shots Wink at him. Wink Martindale dragged him in through the mud yeah. for like eight minutes to the media. And just having this every single season that we are the, the Giants are a bad team in the offseason coming back and just having all this unnecessary drama is not how they are going to move forward as an organization. And even when you look back now, for media people, you're going to look back at how the team reacted when Tommy DeVito was the starting quarterback, how much they love Tommy DeVito, and does that go back to how they feel about Daniel Jones? They always said they still love Daniel Jones, but it's now, because of his comments, you can go back and create maybe storylines or different dynamics that might not be true, and just coming out and saying this, especially at this time around when the Giants are just trying to figure it out with coaching and, and figure out which way they want to go with the organization, coming out and saying this is not the way to go. I mean, listen, the Giants knew what they were getting with Kayvon Thibodeau and how he can kind of be a loose cannon sometimes, which I guess is fine if you're racking up as much sacks a year as he did in 2023, but this is just so unnecessary. His, here's the full quote. He said, he said, I believe in Daniel Jones. What I'm mad about is that Saquon, because if you look at the game, the tape, Saquon responsible for at least 30% of our explosive plays, talking about the year we won the playoff game. So for me and for the integrity of working together and hard work, we all believe the same things. I feel like Saquon should have got paid first. That's what I feel. Feel the way you want to feel, Kayvon Thibodeau, but you're also not an NFL GM, so you don't make these decisions and you don't know what goes on in that negotiation room and what they're trying to do to make the team better because Daniel Jones had a good year in 2022 and obviously it didn't translate to this past season, but it's just obviously quarterbacks are going to get held to a higher standard than running backs. And I, I don't know. All I want to say to Kayvon Thibodeau is just please like shut your mouth here. Like you have to be able to bite your tongue in these situations because now it's just an extra thing and it's just more pressure on the front office and, more fuel to the fan base and their fire because Saquon Barkley is going to be in negotiations again with the Giants this offseason, and we don't know if he's going to come back. So there's still a lot of questions, and this certainly is not helping the Giants in their negotiation process with Saquon, that's for sure. But I, I wouldn't go back if I was Saquon Barkley. I mean, that team is horrible. They're they're holding back my stats. You know, I averaged 3, 3.9 offensive yards per carry. Yeah, but where is he going to go that I mean, will pay him with he feels he's worth. I don't know. I mean, the, New York is definitely the place where they could pay him. And yes. Saquon is definitely a difference maker on that team. He, he can run. He can throw. He just absolutely has no protection whatsoever. And I really can't think of a place off the top of my head that would be a better fit for him than New York because, I mean, he's already proven that he could play in New York. 
Um, but it, it's also that, you know, the Giants, one, they, they have a lot of things to fix, starting with their quarterback, starting with their offensive line, starting with their coaching, and starting with the entire team culture. And I think that's why, if you're the Giants, I don't think you can bring back Saquon Barkley. There's so many different issues going on with this team. Saquon Barkley is, is a win-now running back, and this team is not really near a win-now team, and you're going to go through all these negotiations, and, and it feels like in the end they're going to end up franchise-tagging him again, and you're going to go all back through those negotiations of whether or not he sits out. At this point, I feel like you just go your separate ways. I The Giants over these last... What is this? Would this be sixth year with the Giants? Fifth year? Drafted in 18, so if, I can, if I can do the mental math here, 18, 19, 20... 21, 22, 23. It would be a seventh year with the Giants yeah. if he comes back. Arguably been the best player besides probably Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence. The three of them have been the three best players. But in both ways, I feel like they're holding each other back. And because this isn't a win-now team, they feel obligated that he was that second overall pick. Like, they need to keep him on the team. And for him, he still feels obligated to stay. Where for both situations, for the Giants, in terms of kind of going into a correct rebuild... They can say, let him go. And for him, I think for his career, a better situation for him is leaving, going to get his money, going to a better situation where he can succeed. And then the Giants can kind of move on, move towards a younger a younger running back, hope they can get one a steal late in the draft. But even that cap situation, they're not in the, the spot, I feel like, right now to be offering Saquon Barkley 12 to $15 million because the, that money needs to go towards offensive line help. They need more cornerbacks. They need wide receivers. And you just, it's not going to a win-now running back that has shown he can't. He's played, what, one, two full seasons in all six, I believe? I mean, if you're going to, yeah, hold it to two, that. Two yeah, full, his yeah. First, his first year and then the Last year before year. this year, yeah. Yeah. Well, it just feels like this is going to be another messy situation when these negotiations come back to the fold because we saw how how that translated last year in last offseason when – they couldn't get a deal done, and Saquon publicly voiced his frustrations, and all that happened. So, I don't know. We will see, and that's all coming up in the coming months. But the Giants have a lot of decisions to make, and Kayvon Thibodeau, probably this was a situation where you could have sat this one out. I don't know, but let's move on. Let's talk about some playoff football. We need to talk about playoff football. This is what's happening. This is why we're here. Excuse me. And the games last week kind of left a lot to be desired. I feel, I mean, the Ravens game kind of turned into a blowout. And then the Niners, the, the Packers-Niners game, I enjoyed it. I I didn't watch a whole lot of it, to be honest, but it came down to the end, and Jordan Love had a chance to lead a game-winning drive. And then you had the Sunday games as well. And the one that I really want to highlight, first of all, the Bucks lions game. Tremendous football game. And then Chiefs, Bills, the game that everyone looked forward to. Had 50 million viewers. Everyone was watching. Great game. But the Bills, once again, come up short to the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you have to just be so upset at the fact that not only do you come up short again, you lose in the divisional round for the third year in a row and just can't get over the hump and that window feels like it's slowly closing and at their chance at real contention so it's one thing to just go out again and end the season disappointing fashion but to the Kansas City Chiefs for another time in the playoffs that just has to sting so much for Bills Mafia well well I I think you know the window is 
already closing. Because, like, if, if you look at the Bills in the beginning of the year, they were not a very good team, in all honesty. And they were 6-6, six and six, 500 at one point, and then they just got hot. And technically, in order to win the NFL playoffs, you just you don't have to be the best team. You just have to be the hottest team in the playoffs. And the Bills, you know, they, they came out and they played well in the beginning against the Chiefs, against Spagnolia's defense. And then, but the problem is, they let up toward the end of the game. I mean, they, they turned over on downs. They didn't score their last three drives. They scored on their first... They scored in the first three out of their four possessions. So I think, you know, and it was it was the opposite of the Chiefs. The Chiefs scored a lot toward the end of the game. And the problem is they led up toward the end of the game. Obviously, the missed kick, but they they didn't they weren't able to drive down the field toward the end of the game. That's what cost them. I'm going to have to agree. I feel like this Bills window is, is coming to an end, especially with it seems like the, the rift between Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, as each year, like every time they lose to the Chiefs, it feels like it gets bigger and bigger, especially with Diggs. I've, since week eight or nine, I believe, he didn't have a single 100-yard receiving game, which he's supposed to be one of the best receivers in the league, and who knows if that's on Josh Allen not being able to give him the ball or just him not getting open, but he had that huge drop that would have ended up winning the Bills the game. Yep. He drops that, that pass down the field, probably could have been a touchdown, and it just feels like in this offseason, Stephon Diggs will probably end up requesting a trade because that's how wide receivers are. But just a lot of drops for this Bills offense towards the end of that game. And if you're a Bills fan, I just like like you said, I don't know how you can get over just constantly losing to this Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs team because this Chiefs team I don't think is is that good of as like the ones in the past. Their wide receiver room is, is sketchy. Travis Kelsey didn't have the, his best year. But every year the Chiefs seem to always make it to that AFC Championship game. And even against a team like the Ravens, who was the one seed, you're, the Chiefs aren't that much of an underdog. And no matter how bad they've played this year, when you have Patrick Mahomes, I feel like you can win any game. And Bills fans have not been able to – the Bills haven't been able to overcome him yet. I just feel like it's so killer. What kills you the most as a Bills fan is not the fact that you – lose three times in the playoffs to the same team and you just can't get over them but the issue is every time they play them in the regular season they they, win. they beat them but then when when it counts Mahomes always wins that's what has to really frustrate you and I can't imagine just being a Bills fan having to watch the same thing unfold every year beat them in the regular season get high hopes as the postseason comes along and this time you had them at home First Patrick Mahomes road playoff game. His first road playoff game. He was facing Bill's Mafia for the first time in his life. And still, Mahomes finds a way to just prove all the doubters wrong. So you have to just give him credit. The Chiefs, they always seem to find a way. And and again, going back back to the Diggs thing that you mentioned. uh, Stephon Diggs, you know, you kind of question his value the way he, he played down the stretch. I mean, if you look at the stats right here, I got them pulled up. Stephon Diggs had more receiving yards in the last four weeks, in, in the first four weeks, than he has had within the last time he scored a touchdown. So that's week 12. And you know, that, that kind of questions, you know, oh, because, you know, he did publicly go out in the media earlier in the year and say that they weren't targeting him enough. Well, they did target him, they did target him late in the game on a deep ball, and it went right through his hands. So, and, and you know, the, the Bills, you know, they haven't had a running game for the past four years when they were in that championship window. But this year they had it with James Cook and Josh Allen. 
And the fact that they still could not beat this Bills team, I think, you know, Diggs was definitely part of the problem. The last thing I will say about this Bills team, I feel so bad for Tyler Bass. Because oh. he's taking the brunt of the fact that he missed the field goal at the end, and it wasn't close, but there's so many other things that happened in that game. That also, kicking in Buffalo. Kicking in Buffalo, it's cold, it's windy too, and wide right again. Yeah. Gotta I'm, feel bad I mean, for the guy. I mean, it shouldn't have even come down to a kick in the first place. No, on the last drive, you had D- Diggs drop the pass, yep. you had Allen miss a touchdown. Yeah, just underthrew. Yeah, completely. Missed, so. a fir- missed a first down throw too. Yeah, there were a lot of throws that Josh Allen missed on that drive that shouldn't have even, you're right, put the Bills in that situation. So my heart goes out to Tyler Bass, but that was a really good football game. Yep. And I think that we all were expecting that going into it, and that's what we got. But we'll end things to preview with the conference championship games this weekend. So we have a really good one at 3 o'clock. On Sunday, it's the AFC Championship game. It's the Chiefs and the Ravens. These are maybe the two best teams in the AFC if you're looking at it from the whole season. I mean, the Chiefs weren't necessarily the Chiefs in the regular season, but you can never count them out come playoff time. And here they are again, another AFC Championship game for Patrick Mahomes. But the Ravens, this team is really good, and they're going to get that home game as well. So I'm really excited for this one, and... Guys, I'll just throw it out there and let's get some picks going. Who do you guys got? Seabach? Yeah. Let's start us here. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go the Ravens. And if if John Harbaugh wasn't coaching the Ravens, then I would easily pick the Chiefs based on experience. John Harbaugh has won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. And this is Lamar Jackson's window of winning a Super Bowl. This is his best opportunity, the opportunity that he has never gotten before. But I don't think it's really just the offense. That is going to win. I think it's the defense because they have a top three defense in the NFL that's going to stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. And although the Chiefs offense played against the Bill, the, they played well against the Bills, the Bills were depleted. The Ravens are fully healthy. They have a fully healthy defense, and that's going to be a, a test for Patrick Mahomes on the road in Baltimore. I'm also going to have to go with the Ravens. They have they have the MVP in Lamar Jackson and they haven't just been winning their games lately. I mean, they blew out the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. who all year yep. were looked at as the the clear Super Bowl favorites and still are up there as the as the betting favorite. But this Ravens team coming off a blowout of the Texans, and you look at how that home field advantage took that last week. I believe the Texans had 11 pre-snap penalties, and that you could just credit that to the fans and the noise that they were making, a lot of false starts. And I know this Chiefs team is, is much more experienced than you could say the the Ravens roster with Lamar, a lot of young receivers, but this Ravens team has just been playing out of their minds all year, and I don't think they stop. Having that home field advantage is going to be a big difference, and I just don't know how you could stop Lamar. A lot of people are saying make him throw it, but I mean, how how many years in a row has that argument been made? To that's the game plan against Lamar to so make him throw it, and it doesn't work. He's about to win his second MVP, so going with the Ravens in this one. This might be a, it. Might be a head over heart overhead type thing, but. Obviously, I'm going to stick to the Ravens here. I mean, they've been the best team in the NFL the entire year, and it's hard to bet against them now, even with the Chiefs. And it's funny because really the whole country wants to see the Ravens win this game. Unless unless you live in Kansas City, Missouri, or or wherever. But, yeah, all I'm getting on my For You page on TikTok now is these edits of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson edits. How he's going to be the savior of this this nation and really – 
get the they get the Ravens to the promised land, and this would be huge for Lamar Jackson too if he can get the Ravens to the Super Bowl. I mean, because everything has been always oh, really talented in the regular season, but he can never win the big one. Well, here's your chance to beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game, Championship game, and I think they will. I think they will, and. Lamar will solidify himself, continue that MVP trajectory that he's on, which he seems to be set up to win. And yeah, maybe America won't see Taylor Swift all over the, at Super, the Super Bowl. Bowl. That would be oh, I, would I think I think CBS has the Super Bowl this year. They're going to be all over that. If uh, every every single play, she it. will be shown on on the TV. Yeah, Tony Romo. Tony Romo will Whoa. not mention her though. No, did he not mention her at all? No, he was just like, up. Oh, there's a very excited. Chiefs fan there. <laughs> That's funny. Tony, Tony, you gotta like Tony Romo. Yeah, He's... you do. Very interesting announcer, but fun guy. <laughs> Very interesting, but listen, I like his calls. I, I Move, like his I excitement. Mean. Moving on, this game I'm really looking forward to. It's the Lions and the Niners. The Niners are obviously heavy, heavy favorites coming into this one. They've been almost unbeatable the whole year, aside from that game against the Ravens on Christmas, but the Lions wa- ride a wave of momentum where they haven't been in this position in forever, and here they are with a chance to punch their ticket to their first Super Bowl in franchise history. So, But the Niners are a daunting task with Brock Purdy, Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and then Nick Bosa on defense, yada, yada, yada. So I'm just going to ask for your picks, but I'll pose the question this way. Do the Lions have a chance against this 49ers team on Sunday? Yes, they do, and I think they'll beat them. Wow. I think I think they will beat them. Look at you, Seabat. Well, here's the thing. The Packers almost beat the 49ers last week, but the Packers also did beat the Lions in the regular season. Blew them out on Thanksgiving. Yep, yeah, they, they did, yes. But the Lions recently, the the 49ers have, don't really do this in the regular season. They haven't really done it at all since Brock Purdy has played quarterback up until last week. They're going to have to play from behind if the Lions get the ball first. Mm-hmm. And Dan Campbell and his and his aggressive scheme is going to go for it all, put everything on the line. And I think, you know, if the 49ers get behind and they get behind by more than one touchdown score, everything's going to blow over for them. Yeah, I'm, the Lions are seven-point dogs in this game, and I'm going to agree with you. I think, I think they're going to win. The 49ers have not looked good lately. We were talking about this before. Yep. The last week against the, the the Packers, they did not look like the 49ers at all. Brock Purdy probably should have thrown four interceptions. That guy stinks. He's not a he good is not the MVP. He's not. Nope. An MVP Say it out candidate. loud. Mm-mm. Let everybody know. I am a Brock Purdy hater. I'm, a- I'm not a fan of. I don't think he's as good as people make him out to be. Oh, thank you. And this makes me so happy. He should have thrown in that Packers game. I think at least three or four interceptions, dropped interceptions. And even when you go back before that, he didn't play the last game of the season because it didn't matter for them. But they're, then they got blown out by the Ravens. So the last two games that their starters have played, they got blown out by the Ravens. Yep. And it took a Andres Carlson missed field goal, which he misses every single kick he takes. I just go out there and pray. Yeah, he didn't. He was been awful <laughs> all year. I think he had eight missed extra points. Six. Which six? It was six. Yeah. You can't have that from your kicker. So this Lions team too, coming off a big win against the Rams. A big win against a Buccaneers team that was very underrated and put up a good fight. I think the Lions are riding hot and going into San Fran, like you said. I think if they they're gonna want they're gonna want to get the ball first, and if they're gonna go for everything. Dan Campbell's gonna look at this as like, hey, we're in San Fran, 
just go just go for it. And I think the Lions come away with the win. Listen, I love the spirit that you guys are showing. The Lions are on a wave of momentum right now. They're one of the hottest teams in football. They're coming off a great regular season. They got they have got haven't gotten this far in the playoffs in what feels like forever. They're on the cusp of their first Super Bowl in franchise history because De- it ha- because it has been forever. Debo it's, yeah, literally. Debo years. Samuel might not play for the Niners, so uh, if you want to believe it, it's all lining up for the Lions to really pull off this upset on the road at Levi Stadium. I'm taking the 49ers. You I'm sorry. Do you think they cover 7 points? I think they cover the spread. Yeah, oh. because the Lions <laughs> it, it feels it wouldn't feel right if they got blown out, especially with the way the Packers hung in there in the divisional round, but I'm sorry, this Niners team, they've, other than the game against the Ravens, they haven't really shown a flaw all season long, and I I don't see it coming here against a Detroit Lions team that hasn't really been in this position before. See, see, that's their problem. That's their problem. They haven't shown a flaw. You're right. Yeah. So... If they if they show flaws in in the Niners in in the upcoming game, they're going to get exposed. That's what's going to happen. We also haven't seen them face really the one game they really faced a ton of adversity was that Ravens game, and yep. they ended up they went down two scores early. I think it was what seventeen three early in that game, yep. and mm-hmm. they never it never even came close. Never came close. And then last last week's game against the Packers, they were still within one score. Yep. But they got dominated all the way until the end of that game where they, they had that good drive where Brock Purdy threw like five checkdowns, and you know Christian McCaffrey <laughs> yep. won the game, but. They did. I don't know. I don't. I'm not so confident as you are in the in the Niners. I mean, I have faith in the Lions, but I just think the Niners, they have to. They got to be the team. I don't know. I just going with my gut here. I'm not gonna let the Lions take over my brain as much as I want to see them win, because they're the team I'm really pulling for this weekend. I don't know. I don't think Jared Goff is gonna have it against this Niners defense that he hasn't really done well against in his last couple of starts against them. So we'll have to see. But I'm really excited for both of these games, and hopefully they both end up being extremely, extremely competitive with these great teams going at it. But that'll do it for this week's episode of NFL Friday. Shout out to Joe Henry, our producer in the back. You can catch this on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From Owen Kelty and Sebastian Seabach, I'm Brian Raybacks. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.